testimony in the back. If you ask me, I'll show it to you, or I'll, I'll give it to you, and then you get to know a little bit more about my background. Uh, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to teach here tonight. It is indeed an honor, especially when I get to quote your words to, back to your people. Father, I pray that every word that's spoken, that it be yours and yours alone. Father, this is not for my glory. It's not for Thurman's glory, as he's always taught us. It's for your glory. The lesson you taught me, Father, that I will share to them tonight was so powerful in my life, and I want it to be equally conveyed to these, your people, tonight. And I want to thank you, Father. I want to thank you for keeping Pastor and Cheryl safe in their trip to Ireland. I thank you for all the, the works you're doing through them. Thank you. I thank you for the stories that he'll bring back of the mighty things you've done over there and that, that, that Ireland will, will begin to break forth with the knowledge of your word just like this church has where healing reigns and where the king reigns. And I thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. Okay. We're going to teach out of Luke 17 tonight. And like I said, I'm really excited about it because it was a lesson that God taught me a long time ago. So I want to read the passage and we'll start to talk a little bit about it. Uh, I'm going to read off the computer. Luke 17, verse 1. I noticed a couple pages flipping yet, so I'll wait just a second for everyone to get there. All right, here we go. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he is come from the field, Go and sit down to meat? And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink? Doth he thank that servant, for, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. All right, what I want to do is I want to expound on the text a little bit. And the first thing he says, first of all, it's Jesus. In those Bibles that have read, it's written in red. So Jesus is telling his disciples this. And he says, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. What does impossible mean? We're going to take apart all these words. What, is, what does impossible mean? 
means it ain't going to happen. Okay, okay, good. And he says that offenses will come. What's an offense? When you hurt someone? When they get hurt? I heard a couple more. I didn't quite, I didn't quite catch them, but okay. An offense comes from the, from the word that we get scandal. And what it means is that somebody fails your expectations. Now, if you ever, if you ever go and meet someone, like let's say Dave tonight. I would have expected Dave to wear a suit. If I didn't do that and that bothered you, that would be an offense. And Jesus said it's impossible but that people are going to fail your expectations. Now, I want to bring it out, out of context just a little bit. How many times has somebody done something wrong to you? <laughs> I'm, hearing some, I'm hearing some snorts. <laughs> okay. Jesus is saying that is going to come. There is no chance that it will not happen. You will be offended. Somebody will fail. And the, the whole point there is that they failed your expectations. And most of the times, they don't even know they did that. They don't, they, they don't, like me tonight, if I've offended somebody, I haven't got any clue that I offended them. I have no idea. So Jesus says, he keeps going on and says, uh, it is impossible but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Well, first of all, I'm like, yay, all right, somebody offended me, God, get him. Go take that millstone and throw him in the, in the, in the sea for me. And then I, one day while I was reveling in that, the Lord reminded me, Dave, have you ever offended anybody? Oh. <laughs> oh, it's getting real tight all of a sudden, that millstone around my neck. Uh, and he said that woe unto those people that do that. And, but he doesn't belabor on that point very long. He, just, he makes the comment that it, better, it was better that I didn't offend you or that somebody didn't offend you. He goes on to say, But take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. The first thing he said, I'm going to go back now, because I want to, I want to show that Jesus hasn't turned the corner here. He says, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. And in the very next verse, he equates it to a trespass. So he is admitting that it's a sin against you. When somebody offends you, it's a sin against you. And he says, uh, but take heed to yourselves. Which means you get a grip on yourself. This person did you wrong, and he's saying, you get a grip on yourself. You don't, he, he, he does say, go to that brother, and if he repents, then you bring it to him. You say, hey man, that, you, you know, he did that to me, and I didn't, like if, if I offended you tonight, you'd come to me and say, hey, Dave, I didn't like the way you did that. And, you, and immediately, I would say, I repent. I'm sorry for doing that. And Jesus says that if, that if I offend you, you come and do that. And if seven times in a day I offend you and I repent, you're to forgive me. Now, I want to explain the word uh, repent. 
Repent means to completely forget that it ever happened. Now, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, they know exactly what that word means. And we know that because the very next thing they say is, Lord, increase our faith. So they have this response that they said, uh, they, they know that Jesus has just said that if anybody does me wrong, I'm to forgive them. I'm to completely forget that it ever happened. Now I want you all to think a second in your lives. There's times when people have offended you and if you approach them, they say, oh yeah, I'm sorry, and then you do it again. By the seventh time, your response probably isn't, Lord, give me faith. Lord, forgive me for killing them. Right? It's, it's, my response would be, I need some pats on the back. I need some kudos. I need, you know, God, you asking me to forgive that rascal? I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. But no, that's not what that word means. That word means to forget that it ever happened. Now, Jesus... We, we know in our own life that forgetting that it ever happens is pretty tough. And Jesus knew that too. The apostles knew that and they said, well, Lord, increase our faith because obviously we're going to need some faith in order to get, to get this forgiveness aspect that you're asking us to do. Because when somebody does me wrong, I mean, they have it coming to them. And he's saying no. He said, you forgive them. And if, you, and if they repent, you definitely forgive them. And now the reason he said that was, um, I'm looking at the text here. And the, okay, and the apostle said, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Now I want to go back again and recap because I want to show that Jesus said, it, it's impossible, but that people are going to fail your expectations. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. You had a brother or sister, you know what I'm talking about. You had an ex, you know what I'm talking about. It, they're going to fail your expectations. Jesus goes right down into the next verse and says, he calls it a sin. And then he says, but you must forgive. You must, completely, you must forgive them and completely forget that it ever happened. How many of you have ever been offended? Okay, how many of you have tried to forgive them? And what do you do when the thought comes back and it makes you mad all over again? Get mad again, huh? <laughs> okay, I, my, child, my child rearing wasn't the, wasn't the greatest. And my dad and I were talking one time and we were coming home from a men's conference and we were talking about some of my childhood and he says, well, you need to forgive. And I told him, I said, I have, but every time that thought comes back, it makes me mad all over again. And he says, that's just the devil. He's just trying to stir you up and get you to get mad all over again. Well, I want to talk a little bit about verse 6 here. Jesus essentially said the same thing. And he said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree. Now, why did God in the beginning call it an offense, or Jesus call it an offense? He turns around and calls it a trespass against you, and now he changes corners and calls it a sycamine. What's the reason for a sycamine? Why didn't he just say, say unto the mountain, be thou cast into the sea, and it should obey you? 
Tree's got roots. Okay, good. What's that? Root of bitterness. Deep root. Who's looking? Okay, everybody's looking at their notes. <laughs> no. Okay. There were some very interesting characteristics about the sycamine tree. If your Bible has mulberry, scratch it out and put sycamore or sycamine in it. Okay. If it has sycamore, make sure it says sycamore fig because it's not like sycamore trees we have here. And the sycamine tree had a very interesting. Uh, it has had a very had some very interesting characteristics. The first thing was that it u- was usually planted where several paths met. So when people were walking along, there where the paths met, there, there sycamine trees were usually planted there or grew up there. Um, the tree was a very fast-growing tree, and it was always green, and it grew to about 50 feet tall. And I'll give you a handout of all these characteristics of the tree because they're very, very specific to what Jesus was trying to tell them about offense. And I heard somebody talk about a root of bitterness. Uh, we'll talk about that too because the offense, when it's let to fester, it will become a root of bitterness. It will become, resent, it will become resentment. It will become anger. And it will, as we'll see, it, it, will, it will harm you. The third thing, the, the tree was, okay, let me back up. It was fast growing. It was always green and about 50, grew about 50 feet tall. It had very widespread branches, so and they were only just a few feet off the ground, and they were just big, huge tree. It grows to be about 50 feet, so you can imagine how wide the branches went. And Zacchaeus, when he climbed up, the reason he could, a short man could climb up into the tree was because the branches were real close to the ground, so he could just climb right up in and up he went. And, uh, it was. It had a, especially when it got older, it had an extremely large trunk. It had this big, huge 50-foot tree, and it had this extremely large trunk that was usually quite gnarled. It wasn't a pretty, like an oak or a pretty tree. It was very gnarled and nasty looking. And it had one of the deepest root structures of any tree in the Middle East. It, it, from what I was reading, that the tree went out and up and the root structure went down as, and as deep down and out just about as deep as it went up it was just a tremendous uh, a tremendous root structure uh, it also as one guy put it was invincib- invincibly steadfast so when this tree finally grew and set itself in the dirt or in the sand whatever it was growing in nothing but an act of God, if you want to call it that. So nothing but a tremendous amount of energy could ever uproot the tree or ever take the tree down or destroy it. Uh, and the tree, the tree was very easy to grow and very hard to kill. It, all you had to do was take a cutting of a tree and just let, put it in the ground and water it and it would, uh, it would, it would start growing. And once it took root, Really, it, it preferred no water. It preferred dry or very little water. Um, the wood was preferred for coffins. If you've ever seen any of the the uh, the mummies, the, the the mummy coffins, those are a lot of times they last for thousands of years. Those are made of this wood. Okay, it, and it's uh, any of the like tools that we've seen preserved for a very long time. They're usually made out of this wood, out of the, out of the sycamine tree wood. Uh, 
the fruit was just a small little round fig about an inch long and it bore the, the tree bore fruit throughout most of the through most of the uh, the year it, it it had times when it didn't bear but for the most part it was bearing fruit all throughout the year and the fruit didn't grow on little twigs with leaves like we're normally used to seeing it the, tr- the fruit grows on the trunk or on on the on the branch and uh, and the fruit, if your Bible says mulberry, the reason we say scratch it out is because the fruit was not a tasty fruit. Some people called it insipid. Some people called it uh, tasteless and woody. And I've heard others say that it was absolutely very bitter. And uh, the fruit, being so tart and pungent, couldn't, you couldn't eat the fruit in all in one sitting. When you took that little inch-long fig, you just didn't pop it in your mouth and, and chomp, chomp, chomp and, and swallow it. Because it, it was so... So bitter, you had to take a bite and then you had to set it aside because it was too, it was too bitter. And it, only the poorest of poor people ever ate it. It was, uh, it, it, since it was fairly uh, prolific in, in, in the amount of bearing fruit, it gave a steady food supply to the poor. But because it was so bitter, only the poor really ever ate it. The rich people always ate mul- mulberries. There, there, was a, there was a very large... Uh, there's a, a major contrast between the fruit and the uh, of, of the mulberry and the fruit of this fig. The next thing was that the the fruit was pollinated by the sting of a wasp in the wild. It's it if you remember Amos Amos and Amos 7:14 he was a sycamore some some scriptures call him a gatherer. Well, that word means that he was a nipper, and what the, what they would do is they would score the fruit to cause it to ripen. Because when, when the skin broke and, and that juice weeped out, in about four days the fruit would ripen. And then if it didn't get harvested in about just shortly after four days, it would just be all, it, it'd be, uh, gnats would get a hold of it and it would spoil. And it would just make a real nasty fruit, real nasty mess. Um, okay. So Jesus is standing here. I've given you all those things and I have them on a piece of paper so you don't have to try and remember them all. Okay. Uh, Jesus is standing here and he says, it is impossible, but people are going to fail your expectations. You have a boss, you have a spouse, you've been to work today, probably somebody failed your expectations. Okay. He says it's impossible, but that's going to happen. He makes this little cursory note, huh, they shouldn't have done that. And then he goes right back to the apostle and says, but you forget that it ever happened. And they go, what are you talking about? How how are we supposed to do that? He says, if you would say to the sycamine tree. Now let's talk about why the sycamine tree. The sycamine tree, usually planted where several paths met. How many times has your dog or your cat or your lawnmower offended you? (laughs) Never have. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Come out, you devil. (laughs) Okay. One lawnmower back there. Uh, your, your inanimate objects never offend you. But this tree was planted where people knew that paths crossed. And when paths cross for people, offense, it's impossible, but sometimes offenses are going to happen. So that was one of the characteristics. And so Jesus is pointing. Now, he's telling these apostles, they know all this stuff, whether they know it in the forefront of their, of their knowledge or in the back. They know why he didn't pick that Maserati. 
or why he didn't pick that beautiful house, he said that sycamine tree. So he says, first of all, it's the plant, it's, it's the plant that grows where people meet. And we already talked about that the plant is, is synonymous to a root of bitterness. Um, it's a very fast-growing tree. How long did it take people to stew over some offense and to become... And what's the words I hear? He or she blew it all out of proportion. <laughs> Ever hear that one before? Right. And how many times have you blown it all out of proportion? I know I have. My wife bears the brunt of it every so often. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> okay. Very fast growing. He's pointing to the sycamine tree and he's equating it to offense, saying it's going to happen where, the, where, the, where your paths meet other people. It's going to happen, and when it does, it's going to grow very fast. Uh, it will grow, and if you let it go, It'll begin to grow widespread branches, and what do those branches do? They provide shade for other people to come under and start feasting on that bitterness. I mean, how many times has somebody said something to you, somebody did something to your friend, didn't even affect you at all, but you got mad at that somebody? Because that was my friend. Well, that tree grew up, and they started providing shade for you, and say, come over here and eat some of this fruit. Okay. Uh, one of the things about the tree is it's always green. It's always green because you can always go get fruit off of it. And if it's not, it's not dying. It would be wonderful if, if an offense would die, but it doesn't ever die. In fact, we found, well, we'll get to that point in a second. Uh, we found it had a massively gnarled trunk. If you've ever seen somebody that's gotten old with bitterness, they're not a specimen of health. They have a gnarled trunk. The fruit grew on twisted limbs or on the trunk. It never grew on little twigs. There was never any leafy twigs that, that, this, uh, that the fruit that you could go up and pick it. It was always on the, that gnarled trunk and on the, on, the, uh, on the twisted limbs. And the point is that when a root of bitterness begins, begins to grow in, in your heart, your limbs begin to get twisted. And we've noticed that now at the ministry center quite often that there are some very definite physical attributes that people have when they've had a root of bitterness for a long time. Because it will, it, it, it will affect their, their torsos, it affects their health. They, they end up getting twisted. One of the things that we've noticed is that crippling arthritis. Not always. that I, can, I can't always say absolute because I'm not a part of that of the ministry there exactly but we've seen it over and over again that that crippling arthritis has a root of bitterness to it there's a resentment and anger and unforgiveness and we'll call them unforgivenesses that have begun to attack people just like that gnarled tree as it got older it just started getting all gnarled up because it didn't that, that's what that's what Jesus was saying that, that's what uh, bitterness is like the next thing was it had a deep root structure uh, this root structure, uh, the one thing I read over and over when I started studying the tree was it was tenacious. I mean, when it, when it rooted itself into the ground, you couldn't get it out. You, you, you could cut the thing down, but it would grow right back up. It, and to get the massive root structure out, it would, it would take an inordinate amount of faith as far as an inordinate amount of energy, I should say, to get it out of the ground. And just like that, bitterness can be passed on to your children, your children's children, 
Um, I don't know the story, but who knows the Hatfields and McCoys? Okay, we've got a couple. Okay. Was there any bitterness that was passed on through, for a couple generations? For what? Forever. So that was a very healthy root of bitterness, sycamine tree. But I don't know if you know the rest of the story. It was just a family feud that went on for a long time. All because it was a, an offense was taken and no forgiveness was given towards it and it just it destroyed families for several generations. Okay. Um, like I said, the, the, one of the common, com, commentaries said it was invincibly steadfast. And that was, th- that was the best words I could quote of how, how difficult it is to get rid of a root of bitterness. It's, I mean, when it sets itself into your heart, it, you'd rather die with the thing than get it, try and tear it out because it would open up new wounds. But that, it, it's invincibly steadfast. That's the best word I can put to it. Uh, it's the easiest to grow and the hardest to kill. And just like a root of bitterness, it's not difficult to get them started. We can nurture that little thing. It's just a little cutting, just a little... Plant it in, in, the, in, the, in your heart, that little uh, offense. Just water it a little bit. You know, I, man, you, you know, Ayesha did, my wife's Ayesha. Ayesha did that the other day. I'm just, and pretty soon it's all blown out of proportion. Because it's very easy to grow, uh, very easy to nurture it and grow it. And it's very difficult to try and destroy it. Uh, it, it, grows, it grows best with little or no water. How many of you understand that when you're not in the Word of God, an offense can grow a whole lot faster because there's no watering of the Holy Spirit to help wash out that offense and help wash out that junk the devil keeps putting in your head. Because most of the times a thought comes in your head and the first thing you think of is, yeah, and it was just the devil over there lying, whispering at you. Because most people don't think the way the devil thinks, but yet that thought comes in their head and they go, Oh yeah, that person did me wrong. That's, and he's and that's just the devil lying. Okay, um, if that thought is allowed to stay in there, without going to the Word every morning, having your quiet time, whenever you decide to have it, that offense will continue to grow and grow and grow. A lot of times, married folk they'll have their little offense in the morning, and they'll both go their separate ways to work or whatever, and it'll grow and grow and grow, and it comes home, and they got all this shade at home. <laughs> <laughs> they got two big sycamine trees there, right? Uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very dangerous tree. The wood was the preferred wood for coffins. We talked about it, uh, that the sycamine tree, a root of bitterness, any unforgiven, unforgiveness will put you in your grave. It will kill you. We've already talked about how people that have a root of bitterness, I've never seen a happy person that had a root of bitterness. If, they, if they're really bitter about something, that's all they talk about all the time. Is We have a precious friend and once in a while <laughs> we'll get to hear about an offense that happened in their life and it's, it, it, it aver- invariably comes up and then under our breath we're, we're rebuking it. <laughs> so, no, no, we rebuke that, we rebuke that. So, uh, the thing about the wood was that it, it it was impervious, not impervious, but it was, it, it, handled, it was a porous wood, but it handled 
heat and moisture very well, which allowed it to last for thousands of years. And I guess the best point to make is it will put you in your grave. If, if, you, if you have a root of offense or a root of bitterness that's growing in your heart, it will put you in your grave. It will kill you. Um, we, the fruit, the sycamine fruit, was a fig and it was just a small. How many times is that offense just a little tiny thing? It's not a very big fruit. But yet, it, when it's, once, once the cutting is, once it grows, it grows to be this big, huge tree. So it doesn't take much to get an offense. And uh, it would be fine if the offense would just bother you like once a year. But the fruit, as it was so bitter, as we talked about, it wasn't a sweet fruit. It's a very bitter fruit. Every time that offense, every time the thought comes back to you, says, you know, everybody says they've had an offense and they've tried to forgive it or they have forgiven it, but that thought comes back in your mind and then you stew on it all over again because it's a very living tree. Even though you forgave the person, it's still in there trying to grow, still trying to produce fruit, still making you mad. And that was the way it was with my, my growing up. The, that was an offense that, I, that it happened to me as a child and I had forgiven and yet the thought would come back, it'd make me mad all over again and then I'd, I'd stew on it another while and it's like eating the fruit and the fruit being so bitter I'd eat it for a while and I just, I couldn't stand it so I'd have to set it aside and I'd forget about it or not think about it but the devil would bring it back in, I'd eat the fruit again and then I'd, ooh, yuck. And it, the same, <laughs> okay, good. Uh, the same way with an offense that's beginning to grow it makes you angry. It's, it's like, man, they didn't, I didn't deserve that. Okay. Uh, only the poorest of poor people that I've met. Now, there are some bitter rich people, but most of the time I've found that extremely bitter people are very poor. If they're not poor in wealth, they're definitely poor in health and they're definitely poor in any kind of social life because nobody wants to be around them. It's, it's a very... The, the poorest of poor people ate this fruit and just like when people who dine on bitterness or un, un, uh, resentment or unforgiveness, they become very poor. And finally, the, the, the sycamine uh, fruit was pollinated by the sting of a wasp in the wild. And how many of you, when the offense happened to you, was just like a sting? It wasn't a pleasant experience. It all of a sudden, somebody failed your expectations and in goes that stinger. And then you go, oof, ouch. And likewise, the sycamine tree. So I want to run past, run, run over the, the basics again. Jesus has said, it's impossible, but people are going to fail your expectations. He equates it to, man, they shouldn't have done it. And then he says, he equates it to a sin. He says, when they do that to you, it's a sin. But you forgive them and forget that it ever happened. And the apostles go, How? And he says, if you would, what, to that sycamine tree? Got to speak. What else? What's it say? Close. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. What's the very first thing? If, okay. It says, and the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, God has given everybody the measure of faith. Okay. So you have enough. You might... What's the next word? Speak. Speak. Say. What's that? Say. Say. Exactly. So what are you supposed to do to the sycamine tree? Talk to it. 
Say. Everyone say, say. Come on. This is, this is where you all get to be a part of it now. I've, I've shared with you what the tree did. Showed you how God said it's an offense against you. It's a sin. But it requires action on your part. And we don't always want to do that. He says, you might say to that tree that we just equated all those characteristics we just equated to a, a, a root of offense or that offense that, that thought that jumps in your mind you might say unto that sycamine tree what do you do? sorry? close <laughs> close <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you that because you, you don't, your text is not in front of you be thou plucked up by the root now why plucked up by the root? Why not, why not cut it down? Because it'll grow back. So Jesus is giving a very... He's saying that this, it's impossible. You guys are going to live with this. He says, there is no way you're going to make it through this life without somebody failing your expectations and there's no chance that I could pray it off of you. In fact, he says later in Luke... John, John 17. I pray that you don't take them out, but you protect them from the evil one. So he's telling them now how to protect themselves against this evil one because the number one offense or the number one thing that's going to tackle you in your life is offense. I mean, you won't ever be able to go, maybe you can go a day without being offended. And Jesus says, you say unto that offense, that thought that went into your head, be thou plucked up by the root. We said, why the root? Because if you don't, if you just cut it down, it will grow back. You want, and my wife and I, we say, be thou plucked up by the root, all you furry ones and all. You know how the, there's those little, real fine roots that way down at the end of the roots, those real fine, delicate ones? We want them all out too. And be thou planted in the sea. Why not cast? See, the root in the sea, very good. What else? There's another, there's another one too. That's right. Very, very true. You want to plant it in the sea because it will take root in the sea then. Why not cast? It doesn't grow very good in... It doesn't grow very good in a lot of water. That's right. Very good. Very good. There's one other reason why not to cast it. You want it to stay gone. If you throw something in the ocean, it ends up coming back on shore. So why not plant it in the dump? because it'll still grow. Now, some people might think, well, you're just you're being too technical here. Well, no, I'm an engineer at heart. If Jesus said it, he must have meant something by it. I mean, uh, we have pilots in, in, the, in the crowd. How many of you want them to follow the book exactly? <laughs> Be very technical when I'm in that plane. <laughs> okay. Um, I was always very thankful they were so technical in that plane because I can stand here tonight and tell you this story. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, he said that you would say unto that thought, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea. Why the sea? One, one, already, one answer was because it doesn't like a lot of water. What's another reason? Why the sea? The waves will wash it to shore. It's, that's right. Well, we don't want it to. That's why we're planting it, right? We're planting it so it doesn't wash to shore. But salt water will kill it. 
So he says, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea. And, who are, and the people who have the King James, it should obey you. It should, it could, it might, maybe it will, maybe it won't, right? So here's this awesome teaching, all of a sudden Jesus throws this should in there. Well, let's all go home. <laughs> okay, what are we going to do with that should? It will. Well, okay, that's right. Uh, should in the Webster's 1811 dictionary means the past tense of shall. One of its meanings. So it shall have already obeyed you. So now, now we're talking about this impenetrable fortress of a tree, which we've equated to offense. It's rooted into your hearts because the devil had an offense come along. Somebody failed your expectations. This thing's rooted in there. And Jesus says, if you'll just say unto that thought that comes back, be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it shall have already obeyed you. Let me tell you, when, I, when, when the guy that taught, Rick Renner, taught this message back in 2000, 2001, <laughs> when I did that the first time concerning offenses that had happened in my life, my mind said, that is the stupidest thing you have ever said, Dave. <laughs> so, anybody dealing with an offense tonight? You go home, or we'll say, we're going to do it in a second. We're going to say, you root of bitterness concerning whatever the issue is. So, let's say, uh, Asha burnt the toast this morning. You root of bitterness concerning Asha, thought, that thought concerning Asha burning the toast this morning. Be thou plucked up by the root be thou planted in the sea, and you shall have already obeyed me. Now, there was another offense that happened in my life a little while back. And it was, it was really hard to deal with. I, mean, it just, I don't want to go into the details, but it was really, just, it just made me mad. I just, I just wanted to let somebody have it. And the Lord said, Dave, it's not your problem, but you stay in forgiveness. And then shortly before or after that, I think before that, he had taught me this lesson on how to say to the sycamine tree. Now, let me back up again. An offense is when somebody fails your expectations. God's equated it to a sin and commanded us to forgive it and to forget that it ever happened. Absolutely forget that it ever happened. The apostles go, how on earth are we going to do that? And he says, you say to that thought, these specific words, be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and you shall have already obeyed me. Now, I may be belaboring this because it is really that simple. When I did that, concerning the offenses that were happening in my life, I was floored how quickly... I mean, it wasn't... It wasn't oh, it couldn't have been two weeks total. Some of the, the most heavy offenses that I'd ever carried were gone. Because like everyone here, you know God says in Matthew 18, forgive, because if you don't forgive, you're going, to get, you're going to get handed over to tormentors. None of us want that. Matthew 18, for those that may not have seen it, roughly verse 21 to 35 or 36, 35, 21 to 35. Jesus says, he commanded us to forgive. And so I'd forgive, but I could never get rid of that stupid root of bitterness. That thing that kept coming back and attacking me and putting those thoughts in my head, which was simply the devil. 
And he said, so I want everybody to repeat this. Be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it shall obey you. Shall, should have, shall obey you. Shall have, shall have already obeyed you. Right. Okay. When you say it the first time, I, me and my wife, we did it where nobody heard us. Because it is, your mind tells you immediately that is the stupidest thing you've ever said. But I'll tell you who's telling you that. And it isn't your mind. It's the outsider that planted the in offense in the first place. Uh, I want to take just a couple minutes. Actually, let me go, let's go ahead and finish the text. Uh, Jesus says, But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by, when he is come from the field, go and sit down to meet? And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things which were commanded of him? I trow not, I think not, I don't, no, no way. So likewise ye, when you have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. Now if you notice in most of your Bibles, there's a break there. Jesus' teaching didn't stop at the sycamine tree. Jesus' teaching started at the offense and it ended in verse 10. So there's a lot of people that try to, to make pieces out of it and say, oh, well, uh, you know, Jesus is saying something different here. There's commentaries that allude to that. No. Jesus, Jesus when he's teaching, is going to get the message to you. Okay? He's not going to turn corners. and He does talk in parables, but since you're of his family, I assume everybody's of his family, he has given those things for you to know. He's not, he's not changed the subject. He's not turning the corner. He's not decided, okay, we're going to talk about something else now. He said, he, he still continued, an offense is when somebody fails your expectations. It's a sin against you. Don't do it. Because it would be better that you were drowned in the sea than that you should offend anybody. Um, but when they do it, call them on it. And if they repent, forgive them. For completely forget that it ever happened. And you do that by, everybody repeat after me, you say unto that offense, Be thou plucked up, be thou plucked up by, the root, by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it shall, obey, shall have already obeyed you. <laughs> yeah, I, I say it a little differently when I'm at home. I say, you will do it now. <laughs> so you can, you can paraphrase it, God doesn't mind. But it, as long as we understand, those exact words made a profound difference in my life when I dealt with offense. Now he sent, goes on here and he says, which of you having a servant plowing or, or doing whatever you've commanded them to do, which every one of us has been commanded by Jesus to go do something, and we're out there doing it, we're working all hard. So Dave, let's use me as an example. Well, I went and I preached tonight, so you know, cool for me and my wife caused a tiny bit of offense. Well, I don't have to deal with that because I was preaching tonight. You know, it's all, I'm, I'm really good. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said in verse 10 that so likewise when you shall have done all those things which are commanded you. What was commanded of them? Forgive. To forgive. To say unto the sycamine tree. 
Now, it's, a lot of people like to take that verse and blow it out all the proportion, but he said it right there, and he prefaced it with the sycamine tree, with forgiving, with not offending others. So what is he saying? He's saying that, so likewise, when you have done all those things that I've commanded you, plus whatever he's commanded you, plus forgiving your brother from your heart, you shall say what? We are unprofitable servants and we've done only that which was our duty to do. So the apostles have said, hey, we need some kudos here. You know, I mean, you're asking us to forgive. And he says, no, you're unprofitable servants doing only what was commanded of you to do. And so he answers their question in verse 10. Or actually, yeah, verse 10 essentially. Back what they asked in verse 5. He says, this is something that even the lowliest of unprofitable servants in my kingdom do. That they forgive from their heart all those, all those offenses. Uh, I wanted to take just a little bit of time with a teaching like that. I, I don't know. Has it blessed anybody? Yes. Is it, does it bring... Oh, well, good. Lots of hands. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry? Yeah. I, I didn't either. I, actually, Rick Renner taught a little bit on it. And I never knew what a sycamine was. I'd heard jokes about it, but I didn't know what sycamine was. But I want to take a little bit of time and I want everybody to just think for a second of an offense that's been bugging you. And I'm sure there's at least one. And I, I know, and I don't say that because you're, you're bad people. I know our adversary. And our adversary, the devil, wants to make sure that we don't understand the authority we have to tell that offense, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted to see. And it has to obey us. It has to have already obeyed us when we tell it. And I want for us to think about it, and we're going to say it, and, and does everybody have paper and pencil? Actually, we can hand out a, let me hand out this, uh, I have 21 here, so we'll share, eh? Ish? Thanks. Okay. This is, this is a handout on the sycamine tree and the, and the, uh, the attributes of it. And does everybody have a pencil? Because I want, I want to write down this, the exact phrase that we say. I, I found that in my own life, that though I didn't really want to forgive, I found that phrase extremely powerful because the king gave it to us to tell us how to handle offense. And so I want, when, if you don't, we can, we'll, we'll close in a minute here. And if any, actually I should ask, are there any questions? Yes, go ahead. When you say someone doesn't meet my expectations, um, I'm trying to relate that to when I have discussions with my family. Okay. About what I believe or what they believe. Okay. Actually, let me get you a microphone. You're going to say more than I can remember to repeat. <laughs> Praise the King. Yeah. Okay. Go. I'll let you ask the question again. 
Okay, you were talking about when you're having conversations with your family members about child rearing or whatever, and how does that? And, and we're talking about offenses mm -hmm. um, that don't meet my expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have you have these disagreements, mm -hmm. and there is a tension when maybe someone thinks you ought to do something one way versus the way you do it, and so is that my expectation of them or is that just simply a, a argument of trying to define what my expectation is because when I don't go into a conversation with someone saying I expect this from this person and so I'm offended now because the I don't see what I'm saying kind of <laughs> kind of. and off let, let me go ask your question one more time and then I'll I guess my my to if somebody Bring it down to a question, it would be: uh, I'm trying to define what my what an expectation of that I have of someone else. I, I don't okay. go into a conversation with expectations of other people. I, we just go okay. into a conversation, and then there may be disagreements. Okay. And then there, from there, there could be offenses because. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it escalates to a different level. So you and I have just had a conversation. Right. Would you expect me? in front of here say that was a stupid question that would be offensive and I would have failed your expectations you see you see how that is now let me let me talk about that a second okay. the word that word means scandal the scandalous and it's a word we get scandal and it actually means a stumbling block if if you and I are conversing we can disagree on a lot of things without ever being offended but at some point that I lose respect for you you all sudden hey they're all sudden is an offense okay. and that is where that's what he's talking about it, it can be somebody hitting your car you know your best friend's following you and you're driving your brand new what would say vet brand new vet and he runs in the back end of you so hey you I mean you know how to drive better than that and he failed your expectations he's now wrecked your brand new vet and it's at that point you can either say, man, that's it. Just get out of here. I don't, I don't want to talk to you again. And you allow that root of bitterness to begin to grow. Or you can say, hey, man, forget it. I'll pay for it or however you want to handle it. I, that's it. Forget about it. I, no, no problems. And you immediately forgive the person and forget that it ever happened. Not that you forgot that the car is mangled. You have to go get it fixed. But at some point when the car is fixed, that's it. You, you don't even remember that incident ever happened. Likewise, in a conversation between two people. At some point, if I lost... if I if I did not, if, if some, something that I said no longer respected you or at some point, if I said that's a stupid question, you'd be going, hey, all of a sudden there'd be kind of an offense. Yeah, go ahead. Here, go ahead and take the, hand her the mic, please. It does hinge on respect, yes. What we expect from others whenever we're conversing, yeah. regardless if we're disagreeing or not, yeah. as long as both persons are communicating with right. a, a base of respect, then yeah. you're not going to offend anybody. So That's I think right. that all of us are mostly offended in any situation in which we feel that we have been not, not respected. Right. So I think respect is, is the ground basis for yeah. a lot of... That's what our... Yeah. That's what our expectation is, is whenever you interact with someone else, is that regardless if you're agreeing or disagreeing, 
the respect is the basics of, of what you, the minimum that you right. expect from them. So yeah. that's whenever you get uh, the offense, is whenever people, like you said, well, that's stupid or yeah. you're an idiot for thinking that or whatever. Okay, and you're not an idiot. That was an excellent question because I had never really thought that direction before. Uh, my life never had, a, never had, well, maybe it had offensive conversations, <laughs> but there was other things that I had dealt with. Uh, going back to what you had said about respect, Jesus said there was only two laws. Actually, when they said, what is the greatest law? He, he told them to love the Lord your God, and I, I paraphrase it, with your very all. And you love your neighbor as yourself, and that's where the respect idea comes from. If you ever wa- if you ever read through any Bible, you'll see that throughout the entire the entire uh, theme of whatever book or whatever you're reading is to love the Lord your God with your very all, and to like respect your neighbor, to love your neighbor as yourself. That help? Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? The uh, definition for tenacious. A uh, tenacious is like. Um, I, I don't watch TV, but I, I've seen on TV, uh, like a pit bull, that's attacked something and it just and it grabs and it just doesn't let go. It's like when it locks jaws and it, and it it doesn't doesn't sit there and say, oh, can someone please unlock my jaw? It's fighting like fury. It's, I mean, it's, it, it holds its ground, and you have to be strong. I mean, you have to be really strong to get that dog to move anywhere. That's tenacious. Tenacious is a, a, a serious holding. A, a furious? furious? Yeah, um, not so much furious, but serious. Uh, 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 help me out. <laughs> it, it, it will not let go. I mean, it's... It, it's when, uh, that's a dumb example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it determined. When you ever, if something is going to happen to your grandbaby, trying to get him out of your hands is nearly impossible, because you're tenacious about holding on to the grandbaby. I mean, there's there's no chance that whatever's coming to attack your grandbaby is going to get him, because you are tenacious about the safety of your baby. You're you're tenacious about holding on to that grandbaby. You're, it's. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. So. It did, yes, absolutely. I mean, we're talking. It's. Yes. Okay. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Uh, when you say forgive and, and forget it ever happened. Yes, sir. Uh, forget. You know, I have, little, I have a problem with that because I, I, I went through something like that once. And each time I remembered yes. the situation... Oh yeah. Then I started thinking about it again, and I felt like I was a failure. I said, I'm not doing what the Lord asked me to do until I got some understanding that forgiving and forgetting that it didn't happen is not the same thing as remembering it no more. Because God said in His Word that you know I will remember your sin no more. I mean, He actually forgets it. It's not on your record. And when you come the next day and say, "Please forgive me for what I did yesterday," say, "What are you talking about?" What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. Right. Amen. Well, I mean, when you say forgive and forget it ever happened, are you are you referring that forget? I mean, is that re- forget the same as remember? Uh, I'll use my own example. It first of all, let me go back and, and first of all, Jesus said that that word in in the Greek 
means to forgive and forget. That's why I say that. It's not, I didn't, didn't make that up. The word that Jesus used says that. It, it's aphiomi, if anybody knows Greek. And, it's, and it's, it means to forgive and forget. And, but the apostles are going, how on earth do you expect us, and good example, how do you expect me to forgive and forget? I mean, I, okay, I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget, or I'll try to forget. But Jesus said, I'll tell you how. You say to that thought, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea. And it has to obey you. Now, the, the incidences that I had as a child, I, I honestly don't remember most of them anymore. But I forgave them. I, I told, I, when they would come up and they would just stir me up, I'd say, you root of bitterness or you thought concerning mom burning the toast. Be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it shall obey you. Because when he said that, something happens in the spiritual realm that actually sends that thing out to die. And it plants it out there and it never gets to come back. And you do end up forgetting that one of the most recent ones, I don't remember most of what made me mad about this, that offended me about the situation. And so yes, it, he is definitely saying with the words he used, to forgive and forget, but he says the, tr- the 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 mechanism by how you forget is to say to whatever thought it is, "Be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it shall already have obeyed you." So you you are saying that <clears throat> when I say that, mm-hmm. uh, it means I mean uh, that uh, I will, I'm saying that I will not remember it anymore. Is it possible for me? not to remember that anymore. You're made in the likeness of Christ and if he don't remember, yes, you can definitely never remember. It's, it's part of... Have, have you ever talked to somebody that's... Uh, that hasn't been... I, I'm thinking of my grandparents and all when, I was, when they were getting close to dying. They never remembered anything bad that happened in their life. Oh, I remember when you were a little boy and all they'd talk about was all those great memories they had. They never remembered that I, that I opened their car at the gas pump and they had to buy a new door. I mean, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, they didn't remember none of that stuff. They only remembered how much, how much they loved me and how much they enjoyed when we came and visited. And you remember when we sawed that piece of wood together and all these memories they had that they never, they never remembered the bad things. They never remembered... Uh, like when I, I was learning how to drive the big truck we had for the family truck. And I'm thinking I was all cool because I was back and I was looking at the mirrors just like truckers do. <laughs> Backed right into the porch and knocked the thing down. <laughs> I heard this crash. Like, I guess, hey, 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 stop, stop. And they never brought that up. All they thought about was how much, it, how much they, all the good things you remember. And you think in your own life, how many of the good things you remember versus the bad things? There may be a bad thing that the devil keeps trying to, you know, that wasp keeps coming back to pollinate. He keeps stinging you with it. Uh, but there's a lot of things that you don't remember anymore. That you remember the good but not the bad. And You're made in the likeness of Christ, so definitely you will forget. It. Did I see a hand? I see all kinds of hands now. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, hold on one second. It, it's, I want to... Are you? All I'll say is that's what Jesus said. Okay. It. It. Well, go ahead. Uh, take. Go ahead and take it. We'll, I, we'll get to I, the, the only relief I got from that situation that I was seeing that yes, I sir. talked about is that uh, uh, I think I read either in the book 
because I started doing a lot of research on that, and they say that forgetting a lot of things that, that throw people off is that when, you, when they say forgive and forget, we are thinking that uh, uh, it is remember no more. Yes. And, and remembering no more is an attribute of God. Amen. See, he alone can remember no more. See, but okay. they, were, they, uh, they explained there that uh, they were, uh, uh, that forget that it ever happened is relating to your desire for retribution. You know, okay. you want to take retribution on someone, and it is that retribution we are fighting. Because, I mean, it, it, it seems like yes, it's sir. an impossibility if, if somebody comes and says something to me today, and then I forgive him. I say, okay, I forgive him. And then he does it next month. You mean next month, I will, I, I, if I'm a good Christian, then I will forget that he did it last month? <laughs> 70 times 7, thank you. Yeah, I know. I mean, well, forgiving is different. I mean, we, I'm not forgetting now. Remembering yeah. no more. This is, this is the point where I had the problem with. Okay. You see? Okay. Okay, uh, so. okay go ahead and give the lady behind you. I think it means to take the charge off of it. I've had things happen in my life that when I think back on them, they kind of make you grit your teeth or they'll bring a tear to your eye. The hurt, the, the resentment, the bitterness is still there. But once the Lord heals you and sets you free, you can think about it and it doesn't bother you anymore. That memory may pass through, but you know, it's, it's like you've been delivered, you've been healed. That's, that's what real forgetting is. Even though it may pass through your mind, there's no okay. charge to it. Okay. Okay, right behind you. There was a we'll get to you, James, in a second. That was a good explanation because I was just going to ask, how can you teach on something or give any examples of something you've forgotten about? So because it's impossible, but they will come. <laughs> You'll have fresh ones every day. <laughs> okay, and James had a, had a comment. This may seem like a silly question, but you said the wasp is the one that pollinates it. Why don't we speak to the wasp so it doesn't pollinate it? Because you're fighting a spiritual battle. You, this, this whole, Jesus took, you know how Jesus always took parables, things right there in the natural, and then he said, this is what it looks like. The kingdom of God is likened unto a man who plants a seed. Okay, it's a spiritual principle. And he's equating the sycamine tree. He's not telling you to go find a sycamine tree and throw it out. He's telling you that sycamine tree that's growing in your heart, that spiritual sycamine tree, you tell it to be plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it shall have already obeyed you. Um, I understand. Okay, one more comment in the back there. I was just going to say when he said the have, if you have the faith... And again, he's demonstrating with faith that the spoken word, we can take control over that and root it out Amen. by the spoken word. Okay. I want to go back and I want to defend what Jesus said about completely forget that it ever happened. Okay. Now, I'm not, not, not saying that everyone is uh, wrong. I just want to put a different light on it. The reason that it, I was challenged by that that you forget that it ever happened, was that when Jesus equated it to the sycamine tree, he said to say unto that sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea, which means it was going to, that, that offense was going to be removed. And if, can you remember an offense that didn't happen to you? 
No, because it didn't happen to you. And he's saying, you say unto that offense, that root of bitterness, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea. Why the sea? Because it's going to kill it. Now, I, won't, I, will, I do understand, like, well, Dave, you still remember what happened to you, let's say, last week. Yeah. But if I continue to say to that thing, as I've seen with offenses in the past, I know there was things in my childhood that made me mad, but I don't remember them anymore. I, I honestly don't. I guess I could try and drudge them up, but I don't remember them. But I did specifically use this principle Jesus taught us to tell it to be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea, and it had to obey me. So I, I want I to challenge you. If Go home and try it. And, and come back and tell me, Dave, you're wrong, it's still there. And then we'll pray. Because one of the things that's encouraged me a lot is we're made in the likeness of Christ. And if he forgave all those sins I did, he's never going to bring them up to me. He's not going to remember, oh, by the way, do you remember that one little one you did over there? And I really think that's, I'm, this might sound out of context, but Paul, when he's saying forgetting those things that are behind and pressing towards that mark of the high calling, he was, he was so focused on where he was going that he completely forgot what happened behind him, both his good and bad. I mean, he's, he's talking in Philippians a little bit about how I've not, not yet made it, but I'm working on it. I've not quite become all that God's called me to be, but I'm working on it. And by the time he gets into his letter to Timothy, he says, I did it. I accomplished what I did. Um, I'm sorry? He fought a good fight. Amen. So I want to... That was what the Lord taught me. So that's what I'm going to defend up here. <laughs> um, I challenge anyone to go and try it. And that what you say is... To, to what, it, what my wife and I say is, specifically, you thought concerning whatever, you root of bitterness concerning whatever, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea, and it shall have already obeyed me. So, and if anybody wants to know that, I will help you write it down afterwards. Any other questions? Okay, another comment right here. I see this as incredible. Oh, thank you, this Jesus. This is incredible. And okay. if thank you just Jesus. if you do what the word says, whether Amen. you believe it or not, it works. <laughs> Jesus said it. And yeah. I remember when I came here and my sin of unbelief was what kept me from having my back healed for thirty years. Amen. And when it hit me after sitting in a healing school and the next day I was like, That's it. <laughs> It's that simple. That's you know, it's like that's ridiculous. But like, I repent for my unbelief. Bam, healed. Healed. Amen. Have been healed for over two years now. Thank you, Jesus, too. But yeah. I mean, it was a spiritual principle that I did not know or understand. Yeah. This is an incredible spiritual principle yeah. that you have to have faith and believe and speak to it, yeah. and it will be done because the word says we can't what we see we have to go by what the amen. word says amen and that was the thing that I, that I was taught I had to say that the hardest thing is to to say it you're like something happens like oh man I just wish that would go away instead of saying get out of here right and I, I mean I'm, 
things that we had learned was that um, forgiveness is a decision, it's not an emotion. You're right, the hurt does come back, the memories come back. And this, this principle that he's talking about is how to deal with that constant memory, the pain, etc. And it really is amazing, it does fade. Amen. You can actually start living life where it doesn't come back, even the thought, even the memory. Now you can think back and you say, how did it go again? And it's yeah. really amazing that you can forget the words, the pain, the, the physical stuff, the whatever, mental stuff, all that stuff. It will, with, through this principle, the forgiveness was done as a decision. But the emotional healing, the physical healing, all that stuff, through this principle, is accomplished. Amen. And Father, we thank you for Sharon's healing too, in Jesus' name. I thank you for my healing, in Jesus' name. So, speak, go ahead. Uh-huh. You know, gone through this over and over again and never could figure out why, when it came back up again, yeah. why it wasn't totally gone. Yeah. I mean, I've sincerely forgiven from my heart, you know, cried out to the Lord, wept the tears, Amen. Walked, got up off the floor feeling free, only to have it come right back come in my right face. In and face. the thing about wasps is, I've worked out in gardens, if you make them mad, they will track you down. They will come out. And they will sting you. I mean, they will chase you all over the place. So Amen. this is a valuable tool yeah. to speak to the bitterness, the hurt, the offense, the yeah. wasps, everything, and have it plucked, I mean, what is it, plucked up by the roots and planted in the sea. Yeah. It's not that you're looking for an offense. It's not like you're looking to be hurt. It just happened. Yeah. It's impossible that it won't happen. So... Uh, Yes. Uh, you can uh, go to counseling for years. I'm sorry? You can go to counseling for years and make zero progress. Yeah. You can take the Word of God with a profound teaching like this and get right to the heart of it. And you don't have to pay nothing for it. <laughs> Praise the King. Thank, Thank you, you for Thurman, Father, that he gets all this stuff away for free. Yeah. Amen. So. Having faith is very important. And you know, yes. I said having faith, yes, is, faith very is very important. important. And you know, some years ago, I was hearing a lot of preachers on the uh, radio and TV saying, uh, grab it and snatch it and yeah. believe it and whatever yeah. they were saying. And one yeah. day I said, God, would you really tell me what faith is? And he said, spell it. Spell yeah. faith. I said, spell it? Yeah. He said, yes, yeah, spell. I said, F-A-I-T-H. He said, spell, fully anticipating it to happen. That's full, faith. Full faith is... Fully anticipating, fully it, anticipating to happen. it to happen. That's faith. <laughs> Amen. And it worked. Amen. That, uh, yeah. that year I wanted to go to New York to visit my relatives. They have five sisters there and... My husband said, I, well, I don't have any money. If you say God told you what faith is, put that into action. No. <laughs> oh, now we got an offense to forgive, huh? <laughs> I tell you. But I did. That, that same week, American Airlines sent me a free ticket. Amen. So Father, we thank you for American Airlines, too. Sev seven weeks. They had added up all of my traveling. Wow. Uh, mileage yes. the same week. Week. Got a you ticket. Praise the King. Fully anticipating it to happen. <laughs> Amen. Okay, Dean. 
embrace the little case. side note I'm putting two and two together I write down comments that you say but also what other people say here yes, and sir. I think we need to get a hold of God's promises and clamp onto them like that pit bull tenaciously go. that's right <laughs> amen amen boy amen anyone else okay who's seen my uh, my healing testimony okay for those of you, the, the, the camera picture wasn't right. So this is what my feet look like today. They look, they look all normal. Okay. This is not a part of the teaching, but for those people that, that want to see. If you've seen it, then you've seen the pictures and you know what it means. And that's what my feet look like today. And I give Jesus all the credit for that. Okay. So it didn't quite come out on the video, so it wasn't... Uh, the, vi- the testimony is on vi- d- DVD back there. Um, so it's available to you. Sickness is satanic oppression, Acts 10.38. So you're welcome to go and view it. <laughs> now that cameraman did an awesome job, actually. All those guys. I thank God for all those guys in the back. That I mean, they're, they're, they are definitely our unsung heroes back there that continue to give us all that video and audio and we don't even go pat him on the back well we growl at him for doing it wrong <laughs> okay yes go ahead go give it to her yes sir and yes, ma'am. Um, God um, used that to turn a light just a light bulb came on that I mean, he let me see my body healed Yes. And I put down all medications and Amen. vitamins and all that good stuff. Amen. Well, thank you, Father and, and Father. My husband did too. And you're okay. Amen. So. Okay. Um, no other questions. Okay. So I want to recap real quick. Jesus said, "An offense is when somebody fails your expectations of whatever you're expecting of them. They failed it." Not anything they did, but that they failed what you expected of them. He said that it's better they didn't do that. So I applied that to myself. It's a whole lot better that I don't do that. Because I don't want to be trying to swim with a millstone around my neck. Anybody know what a millstone is? The only ones I know of are the ones they had back east in the 1800s. I believe they're big, huge stones that you're not going to swim with. They're not weighted or they're not a a baby floaty device. (laughs) You'll sink. Um, he says make, that you forgive and forget and he tells us how by saying unto that root of bitterness or that thought be thou plucked up by the root be thou planted in the sea and it ha- shall have already obeyed you and then when you do that you're simply doing what he's commanded every one of his servants to do even the unprofitable ones doesn't make you higher any higher stature in the kingdom of God it simply says you're doing what he's commanded you to do Right. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you again for the opportunity to share this message. Uh, Father, I thank you so much that what you showed us is so simple on how to deal with such a tremendous foe in our life. And it's so simple to simply say unto that, to that foe, that thought, be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in sea, and it shall have already obeyed you. And Father, most of all, we thank you because it's what you did on the cross to give us that authority through your word and through your blood, through your spirit. And we thank you, and Father, for each person here now. As they go home, I stand in agreement. You said where two of us are in agreement on earth is touching anything. 
I stand in agreement with their confessions of casting whatever offenses are in their life or whatever roots of bitterness and planting, uh, telling, telling them to be removed and planting them in the sea and they shall obey you, tell, shall obey them. I stand in agreement with that, Father. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There was one other thought I thought about and he just reminded me while I was praying. Uh, you say to that offense. You don't go try and pull that tree up by yourself. And it, the point that he showed me a long time ago, it came in uninvited, it can leave under its own accord. I didn't bring it in, it gets out on its own. So that's why you say to it. And in the spiritual realm, it happens. It's not anything that you've got to muster up and try and whatever you simply say to it because it came in uninvited, it simply marches out on its own, under its own power. And that's part of the, the humiliation that I, that's what, how I pictured it. The humiliation of that offense had to march itself out and, be, and had to go plant itself in the sea because all I had to do was tell it, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea. And it had to obey me. And I didn't have to do anything else other than command it. So, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Shouldn't that be done in the name of Jesus? He didn't say to. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I... I uh, I, I, I'm going to defer to the text. text. Text doesn't say that. So I'm, my thoughts are, is this is something that even those people who don't have the name of Jesus can do. It's something that's been given to them under the authority of the blood. I don't, other than that, I, I, to say yes in the name of Jesus would be adding to the text, and I don't want to do that. So. All right, y'all are dismissed. Thank you so much. Yes, you're welcome, y'all. Yeah, turn that one off.